Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast. Um, today I've joined by Neville Christie. Uh, the Dev Ready Podcast is all about helping non-techs build better tech, but today we're um, doing something a little bit different. We will align into that a little bit, but also just exploring what the impacts of what's going on in the world are ha- happening right now um, and taking you through what Neville's thoughts are on that. Neville is founder of Fast Track um, Assets, and he would consider himself as a comprehensive future maker. So, Neville, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, Andrew. And what a fantastic time to be talking about the future. Yeah, definitely. In this uh, upheaval that we're all going through and this massive change. Yes, it is a good time. I have to say, although I did not, or my team did not specifically uh, forecast or predict the coronavirus, for the last two years, we've been arguing very strongly that this decade would see what we've called 40 tsunamis really changing the total face of our globe and our business. And we said that a particular event would spark off the other events and uh, global warming is sort of the the underlying base. And we saw the, um, we saw the fires and the mm-hmm. floods and the typhoons at Christmas. But now the pandemic, I think, has, has started a whole series of changes that will ripple on for the whole decade. Yeah, it seems like um, we're in some some uncharted water right now. Um, yes, we're oh. now into uh, unknown and abnormal is now the normal, Andrew. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so just, Neville, just before we jump in and explore um, your thoughts on what's going on in the world today and what the future yep. might look like, tell us a little bit about who Neville is, um, your background, your history. Um, so it's, how did you first start your entrepreneurial journey? Because you've been involved in, from what I've read and spoken about, 44 ventures uh, 41 successful uh, which is pretty rare in this world so tell us a little bit about who Neville is ah uh, well I guess I see I'm a man of many parts um, the entrepreneurial journey which I guess is what you're partly interested in yes. really started at about six uh, I was born during the uh, the Second World War in 1941 so okay. that uh, I didn't have many peers of my own age group, so that mm-hmm. if you like, my peers or my cohorts were either a lot older or a lot younger than I was. Okay. Uh, so at six, when I first started going to school, which was at the end of the Second World War, uh, for some strange reason, I started to gravitate to up towards making money in all sorts of forms. Mm. Um, okay. I think partly because there was so much shortage, uh, money was short, um, resources were short mm-hmm. at the end of the, the Second World War. Yes. So I just naturally gravitated to a whole series of things like, I mean, the t- typical putting up a lemon lemonade stands, uh-huh. uh, yeah. running concerts and events. Uh, but in those early years, it was mainly uh, raising money for the Blind Institute. Um, okay, what now drew I'd you to that- the Blind Institute in that time? I, again, I, I don't know, but uh, it's fascinating how sometimes things that occur in your very early age uh, come back in your later age, because I'm now 78 and I'm actually literally facing going blind myself. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm having wondrous injections into my eyes every four to six weeks, which uh, has slowed the process down. But, mm. you know, it's almost like that early interest uh, was prophetic. But I, I honestly don't know. 
Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, some things we get drawn to, and yeah, sometimes there's no reason behind it, and hopefully no, yeah. everything's okay from the eye front. But that doesn't sound like a, a pleasant scenario to be having injections into your eye. Um, I don't yeah. imagine. Well, I, I I think you know, I I feel full of gratitude that mm -hmm. technology has moved on mm. in the medical field that that's prevented, and in fact. Um, Wet macular de degeneration is the single biggest cause of blindness worldwide. So, uh, you know, that's terrific. Uh, but you're asking about how did my journey start? Mm. Uh, that was the first one. But the most important part of my entrepreneurial journey started at 12 when my father, I came from a working class background. Yes. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I guess uh, I was slightly different, partly, I think, somehow, for some strange reason, I was reasonably intelligent um and and at 12 my father went totally belly up uh, emotionally uh -huh. physically um economically uh -huh. and uh by default i became even though i was the second son uh -huh. i became the breadwinner confidant of my mother the leader of the family at 12 and, yeah well that's significant um, responsibility put on a 12 year old yes yeah. yes mm. but again it was sort of like nothing i planned mm -hmm. uh you know it just sort of i just sort of evolved or gravitated into it by out of circumstances yeah so the circumstances drew you to that so sometimes life happens for us and um uh it's I think, sometimes life happens to us yes, yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> correct so at 12 what did you so you actually look you would become the breadwinner what did that mean well, it meant, of course, that I started um, seriously entrepreneuring. And mm -hmm. uh, at age 12, I started three micro-businesses while still at full, uh, still full-time at school. Okay. The fourth one, strangely, was diving down at Site 10 Rosebud, where we went at Christmas for scallops. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> and those I cooked and sold around the campsites at Rosebud. And out of that, I saw there were lots of beer bottles and... I collected those on the way back and made a reasonable amount of money out of those. Uh -huh. But real, the real money earner was that I collected all the shells um, and uh, when, when I went home, I'd clean them um, yes. uh, and turn them into um, ashtrays. Ashtrays, I, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. A lot of smokers at the time. Yes, I imagine so, uh, <laughs> back in those days. <laughs> what I what I did was get some plaster of Paris, set the um, the uh, shell uh, as a uh, two parts, you know, the, the the bottom part which was round into the uh, plaster of Paris, sorry, yes, yes, and then the straight bit setting up, lots of other shells round, painted it all up, uh, lacquered it, I put free felt on the bottom. Total, <laughs> wow. total uh, uh, resource price was about five cents, uh -huh. and I sold those um, door to door you know, help this poor boy through school and support his family for the equivalent of 75 cents. So, Oh, well, uh, that's an extreme profit margin there. <laughs> good, yeah. um, that that led, then led on to my fourth business because I was generating a lot of money out of that. Uh, I started selling papers at Sarah Kosky's pub. And okay. uh, some of the guys would say, um, look, I'm a bit short this week. Could I have the paper and... You pay me, I'll pay you on payday. And I kept that a record. And then yes. a few of them started saying, listen, son, uh, you might not be able to do this, but I'm really short this week. Do you think you could loan me a few bob and 
uh, Payo and Payday. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. How old are you? Still 12 or getting a bit uh, older? 13. 13. All right. So 13 in your fourth business and becoming a loan shark. I like it. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, it's just something that evolved from being in the yeah. right place at the right time. So, um, uh, you know, some guys, well, no one ever not paid. Everybody paid me on Thursday, payday. Yep. Uh, some, uh, they'd loan 10, 10 bob at the time, 10 shillings. Yes. And they'd give me 10 shillings back, like another 10 shillings. Oh, on top of. So you made. Yeah, on top of. Oh. Like, so I realized um, money could make money. And that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good learning at 13. Um, I think yeah. many people get exposed to that in into the, the late, later yeah, ages. So, yeah. My third I was earning four to five times what was the basic wage then, oh, wow. um, still at school and, uh-huh. you know, totally able to support myself and my family. Yeah, that's that's brilliant um, backstory in terms of how you started this journey, fell into it, and um, but it's massively resourceful in terms of what you were doing, looking for opportunity anywhere and everywhere. And uh, yes. I commend you well, for just doing that. everywhere except most of us have our eyes closed, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's a fair point. Um, and in times like today, people can have their eyes closed, but there are people out there looking for the opportunity um, and making the most of uh, not a great scenario for most people. Um, yeah, so and in, at the same time, that wouldn't have been a great scenario for you. You could have put your head in the sand, but you chose to step up and um, do something about it. So, yeah, commend you for that. Oh, uh, Andrew, I actually think, you know, I'm 78 now. I'm mm. still active and vital as an entrepreneur. Yes. So I've been in business, what's that, 66 years, mm-hmm. seriously. Mm. Um, I, I actually believe that this uh, pandemic is causing uh, such a huge degree of change globally in just about everything you can see, society, business, economics, culture, politics, that uh, it, it's manifesting a huge new range of opportunities. And I'm, I'm flat out starting to work with others collaboratively to, to do something about these mm. you know, ch- changing opportunities. Yeah. I actually believe that the vast bulk of our businesses have suddenly become obsolete uh, and and therefore, in the next year, uh, we'll either have to sell or fold them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have to um, uh, transform them in some way. Or what I believe is that we should be collaborating with other entrepreneurs, other SMEs, uh, to really create a quite different future based on the new realities that are emerging. Yeah, no, new app- no, I think that's a good stance to be in right now in collaborative um- is, is a pivotal word, and I'm seeing the same thing. Um, yes. Talking to other entrepreneurs, there are opportunities. We work heavily in the, the pharmaceutical space and pharmacy space, so there is a lot going on in that world. If you're willing to look and willing to help, I think there's there's plenty out there. Um, if, and there is more opportunity when things are a little bit up in the air and, um, and people aren't quite certain. I think there is a lot more opportunity in a market like that. When everything's going up, it's easy to jump on and um, make money. But if you can actually produce an outcome in this current climate, um, you'll, you'll see it through to the end of it and into the next five, ten years as well. So definitely keep looking, guys, out there. And collaborative is... Um, is pivotal and I learned that later in life not that not that early as, as probably you did <laughs> well um, it's just interesting on that uh, because Louis Pasteur the great uh, uh, chemist I suppose he was mm-hmm. uh, he um, he said chance favors the prepared mind yes and uh, I, I honestly believe that 
the greatest opportunities come out of the greatest crises, the greatest dangers, the greatest threats, the greatest problems. Mm. And, and there are so many occurring now at mm -hmm. every way. I mean, just take one for example, uh, the, the, the way that we have been, in, been forced back to our homes. So that means we're starting to integrate with our spouses and our kids in a, a much more vital way. Yes. Uh, but also we're working from home and that means that all of us are suddenly having to use different forms of technology. Um, I was talking with someone who, I won't name the bank, but one of the major banks, uh -huh. and they realised that, um, that in fact with uh, about two-thirds of their whole resources and staff now working from home, their productivity has gone up. Interesting. <laughs> and, and they are seriously looking at moving, uh, you know, two-thirds of their, their team uh, to work full-time from home and provide them with the, the new technologies, the new support. Uh, that's that's life-changing. It is. And the ripple effect on the economy and the business as we know it, um, just think of the the. Ten, the the actual landlords that are owning all these buildings and businesses starting to realise maybe I don't need this office space anymore. Um, yeah, well, you, you imagine if suddenly, mm -hmm. I mean, just just take it. We're walking along Collins Street and Elizabeth Street at the moment because I live in the city, uh, like 70 to 80% of all the shops are closed. Mm. What if they close permanently? And <laughs> look at all those high-rise buildings. Yes. Um, uh, you know, let's say 50% of them are emptied of staff. Uh Think of the ripple-on effect of that. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a massive ripple-on effect for everything, um, especially then there's no epicentre, there's no city anymore, um, and that pretty much removes all, all your traffic congestion. People aren't travelling. You can see the roads now, they're completely empty, um, and we solve many different problems if a lot more people are, are at their place of work, is their home. Um, it's, and it's, a lot of people, I believe, uh, like me, I mean, I'm, I'm schizophrenic, I live... Uh, one foot in the city and one foot at Wood End, which is you know, <laughs> complete opposites, <laughs> polar opposites. Yes, I'll <laughs> <laughs> accept I'm schizophrenic. I live in, I love living in quite different worlds. Yeah. So, um, and and I mean that's stimulating in itself. Get and it. and I believe that more people will fly flee to the country mm. and to the regional areas. Oh, and I think um, if people are given that opportunity, a lot of people drawn to nature. And I think as a, as, a, as humans, we are um, drawn to more nature, open space. Living in a box is not something that most of us enjoy. And I think, yeah, that's why we like to get out of our homes because being confined to one space is yeah not what as 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 we are. We like to move. We like to gravitate to different people to socialise. So it'll be very interesting to see how it all goes. Just think of just think of that for example, mm. um, uh, the the changes at Ripple Run. So so yes. we're all getting used to working from home. Mm. We're starting to all gravitate towards quite different uh, technologies. You know, Zoho yes. and Zoom mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the Microsoft Suite. Uh, uh, you, you know, you and I are recording this not face to face, but uh, you know by technology. Yes. Uh, so so everybody gets used to that, and then mm -hmm. they think, well. Uh, I think I want to go and live in Ballarat or Bendigo mm. or you know, that tiny little town which has got internet access. Mm -hmm. um, they can still work there. They can still work from home. And now they're part of a, an extended community. Yes. They can then consider, you know, growing a few vegetables. And um, uh, that, whole, that, that, that ripple effect is going to be enormous because I think the biggest single thing that has happened with the the, the 
pandemic is that be, on January the 1st, our driving force was was sort of, you know, ourselves and independence and, um, you know, solo entrepreneuring. Uh, suddenly, uh, the driving force is community, is collaboration, is assisting each other, is being part of a bigger, uh, a bigger force. Mm. That mental change uh, is, is absolutely world changing. And I think it's probably something that the world possibly needed. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so, so things like I think we said before. Oh, I'm sure so. I'm sure so. <laughs> pandemic, but like we've got it. Yeah. And it is a great force for change. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, when people get thrown into uh, the deep end, as you would say, um, we look to how we can um, connect and I think people, good comes in, in in bad times so people look to how we can help there's obviously your minorities where um, if they get too hit then it becomes more problematic so governments are keeping people potted up right now which is a good thing uh, but the ripple effect on that is another story I mean uh, your first point I think is right that in good there's always bad and yes. in bad there's always good Correct. Uh, it depends on your mental attitude and how you work that through mm. but the fact of how the Liberal government with a whole set of free market principles and, you know, non-intervention in business and so on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, keeping the dole payment as low as possible, uh, you know, a whole set of prescriptives, they've thrown them all out of the water. Like, they have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. I, mean, I mean, good luck to them. Thank God for them. But, um, but what a sea change in, in thinking. It is, it is a sea change. It's like at the moment of crisis, we have to do something different. And uh, we're well, all... We're, we're, we're in the middle of Third World War, uh, World War Three, aren't we? I was born in World War Two. This is World War Three. if it... you think about it, because this one is impacting every country, mm. every citizen. And it's just, you look on online, there's people all over the world locked away in their homes. We've got clients in Singapore, they're locked away, and you just think everybody's in the same position. It's... It's, I think it's bringing people together because we're all yeah. impacted in the same way. Um, yes. And I think you have that connection, you have that understanding. Everyone's, like you said, working from home, connected on the internet. I feel like I'm communicating potentially more now than I did when I was in my office doing face-to-face -face meetings and conversations because oh, it's... Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, just, this, just the, already this week, I've had a global board, board, board meeting mm -hmm. uh, on the internet uh, and we were connected um, in America, in yeah. England, in Thailand, in Brisbane, in Melbourne, in Hong Kong, and in China. Yes. And, you know, it was relatively seamless. Mm. Um, uh, last night I had uh, three major um, teleconferencing uh, around the world. Like, you know, so literally now the world opens up to us in a different <laughs> way than it has in the past because we've got no choice <laughs> and then we can yeah, yeah. yes there's no choice so we need to take it but then we can i think yeah, we look prepared mind and you know yes. uh what is it necessity is the mother and father of inventions <laughs> very very good so let's get back let's talk a little bit about is this um from a global market reset so we'll it, coming into 2020 and you've been writing about this on your posts that we were going into um obviously large debts, we had interest rates being cut. Um, is this the market reset that we were eventually going to have anyway and just brought on by, you believe, the, the virus itself has brought this on 
where the market's been hit 30% down, give or take. Is this um, what you perceive would have happened anyway if it wasn't we weren't hit by a virus? Uh, fantastic question, Andrew. Uh, look, um, fundamentally, uh, escalating debt, uh, mm. global, global debt, national debt, corporate debt, personal debt, is the single single biggest threat to uh, to, to capitalism as we have, mm. because uh, all of that debt, the printing of the money, um, stimulates uh, really not the real economy, uh, except for the consumer economy, yes, uh, which is part of the real economy. But fundamentally, where it flows into is to keep the banks propped up. Uh, and uh, also it, it goes into the money economy. You know, it mm-hmm. goes into non-productive assets. Uh, it goes into property like homes. Um, so these these increase the apparent wealth of people. Mm-hmm. It's not GDP growth in the sense of it's not new new innovation. It's not new new things do you understand the difference like there's a big difference between the money economy and the real economy yeah no i get that logic so you're just saying basically money's getting printed we're investing in maybe more asset driven land keep prices keep going up we get inflation from that perspective yes shares uh, go up yeah but but you know we haven't seen in five years an increase in wages for example yeah and that's Uh, that's that's heavily hitting everybody. So you've got property prices going up, um, share markets going up, and how do we afford to keep living in a society as it is if wages don't increase? Correct. And and GDP globally around the world is is you know tanking. It's going down significantly and mm. has been. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the last two years, we've been saying that this money backed only by a government I, IOU and with no real assets or, you know, anything other than a promise to pay, mm-hmm. um, that that is becoming more and more a crisis. And, of course, now the pandemic has increased the money supply, increased the printing, increased the involvement of government. Yes, we just so keep doing the same thing again, don't we? We're getting closer and closer and closer to the edge. Mm. Uh, it's just not sustainable. Um, now, I think there's four scenarios that are possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is that miraculously, some way, all the basic rules of economics will change. Uh-huh. Uh, what the banks are doing, the, the printing of the money will eventually work. Asset prices will remain high and the economy will get back to being stimulated and growing, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that's vaguely possible, but yes. pretty unlikely. Okay. Uh, the second scenario is that... Um, we will see, as we're seeing with the uh, the virus, far more government intervention, far more of direct involvement in stimulating the economy or underwriting the economy. You know, uh, we've seen that uh, with the with the coronavirus, and I think that that we're going to see more of that sort of uh, intervention. But again, mm-hmm. of course, that just adds to the money supply. Uh, the third scenario is the one that we've seen in the past that that uh, the powers that be uh, start a war of some sort, a physical war, a currency war, Mm -hmm. a trade war. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's part of the mix. But the one that that seems inevitable to me, excuse me, is um, a a global economic reset where the uh, G20 companies, countries and the central banks get together Uh and do a total total rewrite of currencies, uh, debt and economic systems. I think that's the most likely. I'm predicting possibly before the end of this year, but 
fairly certainly uh, soon after the re-election of Donald Trump. And what do you think that means, especially to like the US dollar? Um, could we see more alignment back to gold? Obviously, in the 70s, we had um, the underpinning of US dollar taken away from gold. Um, that's obviously just increased inflation. And um, do you believe that the US dollar is sustainable in the current climate, especially long term? Obviously, no dollar in, in history has ever survived. Um, you go back to the sterling throughout the journeys no one none of us survived and it generally goes flows into the economy that produces the most and the currently china is the economy that produces everything um is this potential that we go down to something that's backed more from there or gold what do you think could be the long-term output of what's going on oh look a wonderful question and quite frankly i i think uh it's not quite as important what Uh i think (laughs) <laughs> that what we all start to think about yes. and do because um, one of the wonderful things about human beings mm-hmm. is when you when, when we we identify a possibility or a threat or an opportunity yes that very identification or discussion about it leads to a change so you Great know if I yeah, say, interesting yeah okay I'll, I'll say for example that and I'm not saying this uh-huh. that a third a, a, a new physical atomic bomb-based third world war is going to happen, uh-huh. if I said that, yes. then a whole series of things would start to happen to make sure that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, but so um, some of the things that I see are possibilities is that, yes, as you've hinted at, just as the Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, Tricky Dicky Nixon, yes. <laughs> wanted to move a brilliant, a brilliant piece of national engineering, by the way, uh, to move uh, the world off the gold standard um, to the US dollar as the fiat currency of the world in which, you know, most global trading uh, is is linked. Yes, correct. And and as you've suggested, uh, that that really has led to the dominance, the economic, political and social dominance, cultural dominance of the United States. It has. But but truly, um, the, the real power in the world and for the future now is is communist china yes uh, you know they have managed their currency the best it's mm-hmm. been stable they've moved to uh acquire massive amounts of gold mm-hmm. um, yeah they have been investing heavily in gold uh, oh, yes. Yes. they've started gold mines they're buying gold mm-hmm. mines they've they've enabled their citizens to actually buy gold through the banks mm-hmm. uh they've they've got a digital one now a, a digital currency mm-hmm. digital online they're starting to trade around the world in baskets of currencies rather than the US. Uh, and they're using all of the huge amount of dollars that they bought to keep their one uh, in parity uh, with the US dollar. Uh, they're using all of that to buy up significant assets around the world um, and, of course, increase their defensive and military presence. So um, the answer is I think that uh, all of this will see a... Uh, an inward-looking U.S., you know, becoming mm-hmm. more protectionist of its own economy. And, you yes. know, it, it can actually or used to before the China dominance, it used to be able to produce 96% of its GDP. Mm. Uh, and and I don't know what the percentage is now, but, but they will go back to doing that. Um, all of us will become become more resilient. You know, we'll start to realise that, that we're very vulnerable Mm-hmm. With our, you know, just-in-time manufacturing and our uh, 
are sending off so many industries to China. Uh, I yeah, believe everything that. keeps going out to China, and I think there's some learning here. Clearly, when you can't produce oh. anything, and you're in in a crisis as we are today, um, and <laughs> the getting stock in, got, change. yeah, there's this 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 you know, change like coming. Chip been heading in one direction, mm -hmm. and right now it's going to head back. 180 degrees. <laughs> I think that's a good thing if you can build some reliance and start. Yeah, we have to, and and that all goes into the wage conversation and the cost of wages in Australia and in the US and why everything's gone to China and that's a that's a big conversation. But that's that's reality. It's just really yeah. the cost, and that's an implication of what's going on with the printing of the money and the rising inflation and assets, and it all bubbles into that um, that problem that we're creating ourselves, really. Yes, and and what what has happened as a part of that is, if you look at the look at the numbers, a very very small percent of the population, well under the global population, well under one one percent, controls or owns a huge amount of the wealth. Uh -huh. I, I, I don't know the actual percentage, but but let me let me be uh, uh, out on a limb and say eighty yeah. percent. It's probably not that high, but it's a massive amount. Is focused in the hands of of a tiny few. A few yeah, correct. And, and of course, the, the working class, the labourers, labouring people who use their hands to 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 create wealth and create income, they've been squeezed. And mm -hmm. and the middle class, except in China, has been declining rapidly. It has. Uh, mm. So, all of that has to change. In terms of the current situation, you mentioned earlier in this conversation um, that. Life may never be the same again. Industries may never be the same again. We may have businesses that may disappear. A new business model may exist. So we're looking at hospitality, hospitality, tourism, travel. The aviation industries are all being massively impacted by this. Um, banking and finance is starting to be impacted as well. So, what do you? How do you see those industries and beyond 2020? What do you believe about hospitality, tourism, especially the aviation industries? Well. Um generally let's say that uh i see a move increasingly back towards uh what we i mean go back a bit to the analogy of the mainframe computer where everything was centralized mm -hmm. uh, say in america or china or australia yes. and everything else was you know left to everybody else uh, -huh. uh bring that back to the notion of the network computers um so that you know things are now multi-focused and multi-regional and multi-individual that's one massive trend that is going to going to occur and is occurring like you know mm -hmm. that the virus's pandemic has, has started that yes uh, so uh we, we'll move to much more reliance and, and australia for example will, will create at least 20 new industries and and i'm working on a number of those uh, i'm predicting that you know 20 new industries that's that's uh, quite a number <laughs> well um let's just name two of the 20. Yes. Uh, first of all we know that part of the global warming problem and the economic problem mm -hmm. for australia is that we are fixated on coal yes uh, we are I can't remember the exact number, but I think we support the coal and gas industry to the tune of about $20 billion a year. It's mm -hmm. in that order of magnitude. Okay. Uh, hydrogen is, is a workable alternative, but it needs investment, and the yes. Australian government is doing that investment. And okay. there's a report 
that are a body, a government body, uh, delivered to the Commonwealth Group of Nations, and you can get it online, fascinating, that basically says that hydrogen is a feasible new industry for Australia and it's capable of being uh, uh, many billions of dollars, billions of dollars in export. Okay. So hydrogen so that, will be a future. Yeah, replacing um, other industries. So you will bring in new industries and potentially replace others that are not so great in the environment. So that makes sense. You can't, in terms of creating just industry after industry, I think some will definitely get replaced. Another one is industrial hemp. Now, uh, and I know you're uh, doing a little bit in this space, so tell me a bit about <laughs> industrial hemp. Look, it, it's yeah. a miracle crop. It was killed off by the Monsantos and chemical companies, uh, uh-huh. companies of the world because it's too good a crop. It doesn't require any fertiliser. It doesn't require any great money investment. Um, and uh, it's very different from medical marijuana or smoking marijuana. Yes. Uh, it, 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 it actually has a shelf a, a growing cycle of 16 weeks okay it, it can grow on almost any sort of land mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't need fertilizer um, okay. and it has approximately 3,000 different uses wow. uh, one of the major uses is that fundamentally any area in a building mm-hmm. that currently uses timber yes can use industrial hemp so replacing timber. Yeah. Now, just think of that. If we now no longer need to to cut down our trees. And it only takes 16 weeks growing cycle. Interesting. Right. <laughs> Doesn't that make a massive change to, you know, our globe? Yeah, it will make a massive change in terms of um, the environment itself. So powerful stuff, something I, th- I think I probably need to do some more investigation on based on that uh, comment. Yes. Uh, and have a look at advanced growth industries that the Australian government is seeing as major opportunities for us to invest in. And also look at look at the 17 development goals of the United Nations. Yeah, they're, they're pretty and, heavily driven by quite a few uh, organisations now. Yeah. And, yeah, and like there's massive opportunities in there and, and you know, it will happen. Mm. Uh, the, the big uh, the big issue is that none of this happens by itself. Uh-huh. Like uh, the, the the coronavirus pandemic has like been a series of atomic bombs thrown into each country. Uh, like there's devastation, there's mess, there's change, there's mayhem. Uh, the the better future uh, isn't going to happen by itself. It's going to be happened by I believe a, a really important part is existing SMEs mm-hmm. bound, binding together in cohorts of 10 and purposely working, first of all, to future-proof their business and their life, yes. making the transformation they need to get, get the base of their business back again, but then more importantly, innovating collaboratively to create far better futures. And that's the way ahead that I see that's important and that's what I've dedicated my life to. No, very, very interesting to see your perspective on that so purposefully working towards anything we can change um, any industry any culture uh, and if we um, collaborate together there's more power in that trying to do things on your own is um, a lot more difficult than uh, bringing some great minds together and actually delivering um, from all different facets with the right people in the right seats i I think this is the fundamental Mm -hmm. theme that's changing um you know uh, one of the things I have picked up in my brief sojourn on this planet 
is that just about in every area of life, business, yeah. society, family, culture, politics, there's a, there's a continuous uh, continuum between the needs and interests of me, yes. the needs and interests of we, a selected group, and the needs of interest of them, the, uh, you know, the broader society, the broader community. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at it, yes. uh, if every system is balancing the I, the us, and the them. Mm -hmm. And and what I'm seeing now is that the pandemic has kicked off a huge move to the us and them, you know, that, mm. that community, cooperation, collaboration, working together, pulling together uh, because we're at war. Yeah, uh, interesting. Has been a massive shift away from the narrow I and us. Which is positive for everybody. Um, I think so. Yeah. I, think so. I, I think the change is so massive mm -hmm. that uh, it's going to ripple this decade. Yeah. And it will create huge opportunities for people who are prepared to be in business, not just to make money, mm -hmm. but to be in business to be, create better futures for all, to add value to the world in different ways. That's where the future lies. And I think there's a massive shift in business. Um, we used to be advertised to to buy product. Um, the world is so connected now that everyone knows why people are in business. Um, if you're trying to make a, a bigger impact than just a bottom line, um, you can communicate that out to the market. People can actually see the impact, can communicate that through their social channels. It's a very different world we live in and we can create a bigger impact. Um, and with impact, um, I can't recall who said this, but to make a billion dollars, impact a billion people, um, I think it was Peter Diamandis, from what I recall. Uh, but basically, yeah, the more impact that you can have is obviously betterment of you, your business, your collaborative, um, than just trying to do it all for yourself. And I think um, it's that's more purpose-driven, which is what you alluded to to begin with as well. Yes. I just want to come back to something there because uh, it, it's really, really important. And that is that uh, for the last, well, let's say 25 years, yes. uh, but much longer than that, for the last 25 years in Australia, while we've had unmitigated, uh, you know, quarter by quarter uh, growth, yes, fundamentally the medium of exchange has mainly been money, dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are going to see uh, a whole lot of changes in the currency valuations and, as you said, you know, maybe a move to gold, maybe a mm -hmm. move to an international currency. Uh, maybe you know the um, the digital one becomes the international currency. Maybe a basket of currency. Yes, that is going to happen. But but I believe far more important is the fact that uh, as businesses and as citizens and as nations, we're going to have to start trading in value rather than money. Back to barter. Now, well, it's barter, but. Yes. Um, a lot of things in life are so invaluable mm. that we don't put a value on them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've become very conscious of the value of my eyes uh, now that I'm, you know, in danger of losing my eyesight. So, yeah, we don't know uh, what we have until we start losing it or have lost it, basically. Exactly. Mm. And like you can go to some countries in the world, I won't name them uh, for political reasons, mm -hmm. but you can go to some countries in the world and you could sell one of your kidneys for a retail price of $200,000. It's crazy. And, and some tourists go to these countries and wake up in their hotel mm. uh, 
in a bath of ice mm -hmm. with one of their kidneys removed. Uh, unwillingly removed. Mm. Yeah. So the commercial, the money value of a kidney is $200,000. Yes. And people who are on a dialysis machine feel that that's very good value. I believe uh, they would, yes. But as a healthy human being, you wouldn't. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Now, what is the value to us of our eyes, for example, mm. and uh, what is the value to us of our friends? What is the value to us of love? What is the value to us of our children? What's the value to us of the talent that we have, the masteries that we possess? What is the value of us to the, the new thinking? What is the value to us of the fact that we can purposely create a better future? Yeah, now, interesting. In a capital society, we generally would go to the fact of how do we put a monetary value on that, but you can't. That's there's nothing. Well, uh, I believe you can't, but yeah, personally. But <laughs> what I've done is I've created a new currency, and like it, it's not legal tender. Okay. It's, it's collaborative tender, mm -hmm. and it's called high views, high intrinsic value units. Okay. So everything we do, mm -hmm. we issue uh, a number of of high views. So, for example, if if uh, I were mentoring you, yes. uh, I would charge you $10,000 for a mentoring program. Okay. I would issue you 100,000 high views. And we would say, mm -hmm. okay, what new value do you want uh, for your business and view? What new mastery? What new skills? How do you, do you want it to create a new business model? What do you want? All right, yes. you want this, this, and this. Now, let, let's allocate your 100,000 high views to those to right? so this one you'll put ten thousand high views this one you put a hundred thousand hundred whatever you mm -hmm. you allocate them mm -hmm. and as we add the value you pay back the high views so okay so it, you deliver value first you, you yes, yes and it's all about delivering value mm -hmm. and if at the end of that the added value process is not working yes. i buy back your high views at half the price you paid Okay, so, so yeah, no, interesting concept. Um, so, yeah. so what we're trying to do there uh -huh. is move our thinking from money as the only means of exchange. And, of course, as you said, barter yes. is a different form of exchange. Definitely. Digital currencies are a form of money, but if you think about them, mm -hmm. they're a quite different form of money. They are. Uh, yes, reputation is, uh, and skills mm -hmm. and masteries uh, are other currencies. To me, um, as a business owner, having different skill sets coming into our business and creating value is definitely a form of currency. And uh, yeah. I, yeah. And we don't recognize it. See, the interesting thing is under our current money system, we will say people are our greatest assets. Ha, ha, ha. Show me your balance sheet and show me <laughs> where the where expenses lie. Uh, as an asset, take me to your profit and loss, and where do I find people listed as a cost? Yeah, they are an expense. Um, yes, and the biggest expense for most businesses out there. That's a perversion. Mm, get it. What I mean? It's a perversion. Yes. So we're trading mm -hmm. artificially in a currency, and we're ignoring a huge amount of the real underlying value. Then we print lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of this money this paper stuff that's not backed yes. by anything except the government probably and we wonder why the world's going to pop <laughs> and i think it's inevitable based on the, <laughs> where we're headed and uh, just thinking like this just until yeah, you and i change it by <laughs> collaborating 
at working together, Andrew. Yeah, yes. no, I appreciate that. And, um, and I mean, that's what you're doing with this website. Yeah, I definitely, feel. and that's that's the purpose of what these podcasts for. It's to yeah, it's exactly. it's not to it's to create value. Exactly what you said. Um, exactly. Sorry, but it's to create shared value. Yes. It, it's to create mm -hmm. shared value in two ways. Yes. Like um, it's it's bringing people together mm -hmm. to enunciate and think about and talk about and dialogue about a different way of being and acting and and having in the world but then it's sharing with the broader community so it's uh it's a very important role you're playing in oh, i appreciate that and um thank you for coming on board and playing your role because it is shared value i can't do this on my own clearly of course no <laughs> Now that's that's yeah. the big message stop doing it alone and start collaborating yeah brilliant <laughs> oh, there's so much to be said for that and so much power in collaboration so yeah, uh, it's it's huge now let's take a little bit of a, a bit of a change in tack here um yeah. so we talked about you mentioned a little bit about the 40 tsunamis and there i think yeah. that you've dived in a little bit on that around the the change in the potential industries and different impacts and it could be about um what's happening with the um the dollar etc in terms of how we value things so let's talk about who um peter pronto is I not the Peter Pronto, uh, and he's my alter ego. Now, uh, I don't know whether you know what an alter ego is. Do I you? do I, know what an alter ego is. Yes, um, but yeah, explain why you created Peter it. Pronto. Have a go at explaining it because I I get a bit lost when I try oh, to explain. Yeah, I'll I'll try to explain it. It's so alter means another ego. So we put on. We carry an ego, which is our, our standard um, form and mind and how we think. Um, but sometimes we need to put on a different hat. And I think an alter ego is just putting on a different hat. And an example that that might be, um, for me, as what I perceive it to be, is when I'm at work, I'm wearing a hat. When I'm at home, I'm wearing a different hat. But if you want to jump into a different form of thinking, and I think that's why you've created Peter Pronto, um, which is just another way of thinking and maybe letting go of that ego that basically we have. Um, that's what I perceive an alter ego to be. A very good definition. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, for me, it's it's mm -hmm. it prediction or, or a projection yes. uh, onto him uh, of the better human being that I would like to aspire to and to become. Brilliant. Yes. And and what we know from from a whole lot of research, and particularly the work of say Carl uh, uh, Gustav Jung, is that um, internally we are not just one person. We are we have, you know, maybe three thousand different archetypes. Certainly twenty or thirty or forty or fifty. The fewest I've ever found in working with anyone is a hundred. Wow. So we have a hundred different archetypes, and we keep changing these as you said a bit like you know you imagine a christmas party mm -hmm. and uh where a son where a, a husband or a, yes. a partner mm -hmm. where a brother uh where a parent uh where father christmas <laughs> <laughs> where the guy that gets goes and gets a beer out of the fridge for everybody yes yeah where the, you know yes. like in that party, we're changing roles uh, or, if you like, archetypes. Um, we're different persona yes. uh, and we handle that with great ease. Yes. And that's one of the massive new assets that and resources that we have that internally inside us, we have huge resources that we typically untap and it's time that we did. And most people I ask, I ask them three questions. 
how old is your physical body? Not, not really, but how old do you see your physical body? Oh, 18, right? Uh-huh. How old are you actually? 78. How, <laughs> how old are you inside? Oh, 24. Um, and I find everybody I meet has different ages for those three things. And it's just an indication, you know, a simple indication of how complicated we are. Mm. Um, but but equally, what assets and resources are inside. Mm. Um, and for that reason, I love the Indian Namaste. And it's got many interpretations. But the one I love best is the God who is within me sees and acknowledges the God who is within you. Uh, I like that one. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> very, very interesting. The God that is within me. Can you repeat that? Yes, this is my my re uh, reinterpretation of mm. of the Hindu language, which yes. I don't. Speak. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the God who lives within me. Yes, sees and acknowledges the God who lives within you. And I perceive that as a form of connection. Um, that's yes. how I will gather that, um, and of how we are connected. Can. Yeah. Yes, we are connected at mm-hmm. the highest yes. level. Yes, and even if we're not aware, we are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful, Andrew. Yes, yes. Now, in terms but, of, see, if if we start to not see and acknowledge mm-hmm. the Godhead in you, and you see and acknowledge the Godhead in me, and we realise that we've also got demons and we've got you know human things as well, mm-hmm. and animal stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and if we start working more on that quote divine. Yes. Uh, what a what a massive uh, transformation occurs within us as humans, within us as as a small group, and then in terms of how we can be, have, and do in the world. From what I've learnt over the over my journey, um, is that is where flow is. That is where you stop. You take the barriers down. You push down the ego. If you're living in divine, you're having a conversation and a flow of conversation. You're not blocked by what you say, what you do. Um, so it is quite powerful to live in that frame of state. And I consider it. And people talk about it, flow state in terms of being in that in that conversational state, like we potentially could land into in a conversation like this. Yes, uh, there's an old saying that I that tickles my fancy that if we talk to God, that's prayer. If God talks to us, that's paranoia. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what, what is it if if the God in you talks with the with the God in me? What's that? <laughs> oh, I, I can't explain that either. Collaborative <laughs> oh, innovation, yes. Yes, collaborative innovation. I like it. So, yeah. yeah but one of your statements and sayings is um, the purpose of life is to create and manifest a life of purpose. Um, yeah. Now. What would you say your purpose is? Now, you probably touched a bit upon this, but um, what would you say it is at this current stage of being 78? What, what is your purpose right now? Uh, it, it changed when my son suicided 11 years ago, but but it's it's now significantly, and it sounds a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the word, a, son, bit, a bit Sorry to hear about your son and suicide, and that's terrible um, to hear. Yeah, we'll like yeah. But um, thanks. Um, yeah, uh, so 11 years ago it became to create far better futures for all, one person, one idea, one joint venture, one nation, one innovation, one technology at a time. I like it. So it's it's 
that that is bringing that collaborative uh, component together and then looking at it at one step at a time though because we can't do everything all at once and I think we can get a bit lost in trying to do everything um, but one at a time we can't, we can't do that. we can't yeah. do everything alone correct yes. but the more we collaborate and form cohorts of ten of ten fellow SMEs yes. the more it's amazing how much we get done in the same time dimension. 10 why do you perceive that as a number and how do you collaborate at a number of 10 and not get let ego get in the way would be one of the questions people are probably thinking right now well of course you let ego get in the way <laughs> <laughs> come on we're animals as well as dividing creatures True. And people. So you, you acknowledge it yeah. and, and look 10 is totally arbitrary yeah um, i get it Ten's a bit of it and so is 40 i uh, we touched on before uh-huh. um 10, 10 is totally arbitrary, but, but you know, if you go back to the old question, uh, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay. what is the sound What is the sound of one hand clapping? There is no sound of one hand clapping, but... Um... That's right. There's no sound. <laughs> Correct. What is the sound of two hands clapping? A clap? Yes. Yes. And, and two hands put them together, what do you have? How many fingers? Ten. Ten. So... Uh, uh, there's there's two reasons why I use uh-huh. ten. Uh, the first is that it's a manageable number. Yes. Uh, the second, and, and this is a bit rude, um, even Jesus Christ couldn't manage twelve. Uh, one of one of his members betrayed him. Yes. Uh, okay. But a third a third reason and a more practical reason uh-huh. is that uh, part of what I use strongly is a, a thing called the business canvas of Alex Osterwalder. Okay. And Osterwalder Business Canvas, he's, and you can see plenty of stuff on the internet, he identifies nine fundamental principles uh, or areas of building a great business. Okay. The one he leaves out, which I think is quite staggering, is purpose uh, because, you know, he assumes that the purpose of all businesses is money-making, and I don't think it ever has been mm. narrowly, uh, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not going to be in the future. Yes. So I add purpose to his nine. Interesting. And then say we should create peer cohorts where at least one member has expertise in one of those areas. And then we've got a fantastic team to innovate collaborate. I like it. So one person controls each component of those, the business account. Well, add value, not not control. Add value. Yeah, get it. So someone's driving purpose. Someone's driving uh, new product development. Yes. Someone's driving uh, the business model. Someone is driving uh, distribution, etc. Understand. Okay. And I think, yeah, working collaboratively, if you have someone driving each facet of every component of a business, not even looking at what the nine um, canvases are, uh, if you just look at sales, marketing, collaboration, partnerships, you can, if you get one person driving each of those, it will catapult um, the, the scalability of that business pretty quickly. Yes, and, and, and see, if if their ego is allowed to uh-huh. operate in adding value there, yes, and if you create a structure where people only get equity in the new joint venture mm-hmm. by actually adding value, oh, you change... Go back to your value calculator. Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah. Okay. You'd start to change the whole fundamental dimensions on which we've worked in business before. I like it. I like it. And that brings it all together and how we can actually operate and collaborate too. If, exactly. uh, yeah, and, no, very and be self-interested and uh-huh. be joint interested, you know, yes. commit 
commit to the whole community at the same time get value for ourselves. Yeah, brilliant. I think that's that brings it all together for me, you know, the understanding of how you're um, managing the value and then collaborating to build value yeah. within a business. Instead I mean, so one thing, one thing, for example, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing with the, um, uh, with the, the creation of new industries, what I'm doing mm-hmm. is setting up boards, just like, you know, I've said with the 10 different um, skill sets. Yes. Uh, and instead of people getting paid to uh, become a board member, they pay to become a board member, which becomes the seed capital mm-hmm. of the joint venture yes. to start adding value. And then each meeting, um, uh, each member has a nominal 10% equity and each meeting we vote using high views, uh, okay. high intrinsic value units to see how much of your high views will be translated to equity because you've added this value, you've performed, mm-hmm. you've moved the joint venture onto something really tangible and worthwhile. Yeah, brilliant way of thinking and um, a different way to frame it. We generally can walk into partnerships and just slice and dice the equity up front, but then um, yeah. I've been involved in partnerships where the value delivered across all the partners is not necessarily equal. So, yeah. See, I reverse the logic, you know. Yes. Uh, you only get equity mm-hmm. uh, if if you add value. Yes. And only get equity uh, or keep your equity uh-huh. if you keep paying your ten thousand uh, dollars mm-hmm. to be a seat each year uh, in seed capital, and if you keep adding value. Um, that's very easy for people to comprehend and understand that. And if you've got a great measure of value, then that is a very different way of thinking. And reversing it is very clever. Um, yeah, yes. I like that. I'll uh, and, and like, you know, we're going to have to reverse, like yeah. I said before, the notion of uh-huh. you know the steamship's been heading from here to China, yes, and you know taking our raw materials uh-huh. and 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 then it's coming back. So we you know with students who then take our intellectual property and take it back, yes. uh, and and the manufactured goods that you know they've turned that from our raw raw materials, bringing them back. Uh-huh. That, that ship's going to reverse. What's um, and I think it needs to. Um, let's let's put it out there. It does have to, and yeah, yes. yeah. It's not good. We can't. It's not sustainable. Clearly, the the direction we're headed in, and yeah. clear uh, change needs to happen. You, you touched on and said about the forty tsunamis that yes. I've been raving on about for the uh-huh. last uh, two years. Yes, um, I, I repeat, I did not forecast the pandemic. I did did <laughs> forecast that there would be a major event that would trigger off the other forty tsunamis, like yes. the. Uh, you know the de- decline of assets, like uh-huh. uh, people needing to cooperate uh, together, enforced, uh, yeah. and so on. Um, I used the forty not as a precise number, but uh-huh. in in all of the major cultures, that is uh, Judaism, Christianity, and mm-hmm. Islam, mm-hmm. Uh, and many Middle Eastern cultures, um, forty is a symbolic number of a hell of a lot. So you know Moses spent forty, 40 years. Days. It was a 40 years, uh, yeah, and then we've got Lent yeah. is 40 days, I believe. Um, is that I don't know about that. I think it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Christ was said to spend 40 days in the desert being mm. tempted by the devil. Uh, mm. Moses spent 40 days uh, on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually got 15, and when he came back and saw them all cavorting around the idols, he smashed one in anger. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 40 is a symbolic number, rather. In major cultures, yeah. a hell of a lot. Yeah, not yeah. not a precise, not number. a precise number, just a number that you, from a 
uh, impactful number that you've picked. Again, An impactful number. Yes, yes. understand. So, yeah, obviously, Neville, um, purpose is a big thing for you. And um, for us, the purpose of the Dev Ready podcast is really to help non-techs build better tech. Um, but it's really a little bit more than that. We really understand and through business that it's never really about the technology. It's about the business model. It's about the focus and about who we're actually helping within a business. I think there's yeah. some, some synergy in terms of your thinking and the way we actually think and have delivered this um, particular podcast in anything. So... Yeah. In your life, how do you perceive purpose? Now, I've read a little bit about your seven mountains of purpose um, and what that could mean, and I was quite intrigued. Um, I'd love for you to explain that and what that means to you and how you came about putting that together. Okay. Um, this That's a really big, but it's a beautiful topic, so I'm just trying to get my, my thoughts around it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Basically, to start with, uh, our mind is organised to be purpose-seeking or or meaningful-making, um, and it's constantly grabbing stuff and throwing stuff away and moulding stuff together mm-hmm. that uh, gives brings meaning or, if you like, brings purpose to what we're experiencing and doing and feeling. Um, Now, if we take that further, of course, there are various um, philosophies that say, you know, there is no purpose, life is without meaning and so on. Um, I fundamentally believe that uh, maybe life does have meaning and maybe it doesn't, but I think there's two areas that we all have meaning and purpose, Mm -hmm. which I'll touch on. But... um, Purpose is not a terra australis incognito where we need to send a ship out into the world to try and find it because (laughs) uh, our own particular purpose, like finding Australia, uh, doesn't exist out there as such. We have to create it, right? So you believe we're not looking for something. We just need to stand in purpose that we create. Exactly, Mm. except for two areas. So I, I say... And you know, there's a there's an article I've written on LinkedIn about this uh, or two about why why we need a sense of purpose and how to find it out. Uh, so you can get those access then through my Neville Christie LinkedIn site. But and I'll share all uh, that content at the end of this podcast, definitely. I'll say that again, sorry. I'll share all that content definitely out to the community once um, we oh. roll out the podcast. That'd be that'd be awesome. Thank you. Not a problem. Um, so there, there I or Dr. Peter Ponto develops a analogy of going to a spiritual journey in the out of the jungle, uh-huh. and he's surrounded by seven mountains, and they're all equal size. And the first mountain uh, over there is the procreation and and family mountain, and yes. it's like as it as an animal, uh, we are all designed to have sex to procreate to have a family like that's sort of if you like a fundamental intrinsic purpose of most mammals whether we like it or not yes and and of course that that purpose will manifest in all sorts of ways um the second mountain is typically a mountain that we acquire through our dna or our parents and and some people believe we have a god gene now whatever whatever way we settle down into a spiritual mountain a spirit mountain if you like Mm -hmm. Fundamental, I think, to living a life is to have some 
spiritual, humanistic, God-centered, God-absent um, uh, journey, mountain of spirit. Uh, and, and that I, I believe those two are, are intrinsic. Are, so are connection clear. to divine, basically, some form of connection to something you believe is what God is, spirit is, etc. Yeah, and yep. you can take God totally out of the equation. You can, equation. yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it doesn't you relate. can move him, her, it from the mountaintops or that big mm -hmm. great space up there wherever we were taught it used to be, mm -hmm. uh, into ourselves, in, yeah. entirely, into Namaste. Okay. Now, apart from that, uh, there are five other equal mountains, and these are all the mountains that we create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and typically... That mountain that we that we sit on top of changes roughly every seven years as we go through personal developmental cycles. Yes. Again, seven is a in inverted commas rather than a precise number. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first one is what um, Maslow Abraham Maslow talked about. He called it self actualization or becoming the best you you can be. Mountain. Mm -hmm. So a fundamental inbuilt purpose yes. of all of is to strive to be better. To, to, like we were born uh, with a whole range of potentials and talents and possibilities, but yes. we were completely unfinished. In fact, you know, for the first, first 15, 20, 24 months or more of our life, uh, we cannot possibly survive alone. It's just no. impossible. <laughs> Even longer, I would say. <laughs> Even longer, I would say. Yeah. Yes. So the, the, the first, the next mountain of purpose that we create for ourselves is to be the best be the best human being i can so you know as maslow said what a human can be yes uh, he or she must be must be yeah i like that statement it's brilliant yeah uh, the second mountain is what i call the change the world mountain like you know to leave a legacy to leave something behind to mm -hmm. make the world better yes uh for who we are for when we came and that mountain tends to come for most of us, a bit later in in life, that purpose. Uh, but yes. the millennials actually seem to have incorporated that a lot earlier uh, mm -hmm. in their life. Um, and yeah, there's been a shift there, hasn't there? Um, in terms of pardon? there's been a big shift into millennials in taking a focus on impact and change, which is a great thing for society. I think um, if we look at that and just get, attune ourselves to where the millennials are coming from, there is that's oh, a good thing I for love long term. I love it. Yeah. You know, like, uh, what's her name? Greta, you know, um, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, the young lady telling the world, you know, we'll vote you out if you don't get, get stuck into uh, um, climate yes. change. Uh, the next, the next uh, purpose is love. Now, Unfortunately, in our language, English, love covers all sorts of different modes. You know, it covers uh -huh. sexual love. It covers um, love of a parent for their child. It, it covers love you have for your spouse or your partner. It covers mm -hmm. love you have of reading or learning or study. Or uh, it covers love of your job. Like so, love is a comprehensive word, but um, it is it. Uh, the next mountain is really the love mountain that that we see that our our fundamental purpose in life is to love and be loved at multiple levels. Yes, and and I think it's it's uh, innate in us to be loved and project love if we're coming from a higher place. Definitely, yes. uh, I think all of these five mountains are innate, but they mm -hmm. don't manifest unless we choose to manifest them. 
Uh, choice. Yeah. We have freedom of choice, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think we have freedom of choice so much about the first two, but but, but we certainly do about the other five. And um, yeah. uh, the next one is the power, wealth, fame, you know, I'm the best in the world, uh-huh. uh, I want Olympic medals, yes. uh, uh-huh. that sort of, you know, drive to excel, drive to be the best, drive to have the most amount of money at the to have yes. the most cars, the biggest house. Uh, mm. That that's, has been a very, very important mountain for many people, uh, and I think that will change. Um, the seventh mountain is because I can't think of any others. Uh, <laughs> You've covered quite a bit there. Uh, yes. You've covered quite a bit there in terms of every yeah, possibility. But, like, human beings are so diverse, I'm sure – there are people who are working on other mountains. Now, and I just don't know about them. Uh, what What mm-hmm. is really important, though, is that at any point in time, what, right through our lives, these seven mountains are all important. They're all of equal value. But at any point in time, physically and emotionally and spiritually, we can only climb one mountain. I like that analogy. Yes, I like it. I like the way you frame that because as being a mountain, yes, you can't climb seven at once. You can't. However, because the mountains have all equal sights and equal uh, height and value, Mm -hmm. once we climb at any point in time a particular mountain and say this is my main purpose now, like to change the Mm -hmm. world for the better, one tribe, one idea, one nation, one joint venture, one technology at a time. Once we make that decision, we embrace all of the other mountains as well. That involves us in loving. It involves us in becoming the best person we can be. It involves us having serious uh, family relationships and building it. Uh, it. It involves us in a, a spiritual purpose as well. Yes. Okay? So no, one mountain powerful. embraces mm. the others. One mountain mm. is prime of the mountains for a period. It's a, a very interesting, um, and this is Peter Pronto, Dr. Peter Pronto, your alter ego, that's <laughs> projected this out there. I've just uh, the ideas from Dr. Peter Pronto, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now, just bring us back to business. Uh, one of your sayings is, a great business flows from a great life purpose of its founder. Now, from a founding perspective, obviously which mountain you sit on as a founder of a business is going to significantly um, change the direction and course of that business. If you're just sitting looking for power, wealth, and fame, it's going to be a very money-driven business. Yeah. If you're looking to change the world, it's going to be a very impactful business. If you're looking to be the best you, that mountain, that is going to be all about learning, growing, evolving, innovating. There's no right answer here, no, uh, but I think no, no. just... Yeah. Just looking at it from that context and understanding yeah, clearly the founder drives the business and purpose is massively well, important. Say, say for example, you're Italian mm-hmm. or you're, you're yes. mafia or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and your purpose is, your prime purpose is family. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that you seek to build a dynasty. Mm-hmm. You seek to... Mm-hmm. Not only become president of the United States, but to have your family and your kids, uh, you know, all in positions of power and to be mm-hmm. left a huge amount of money, uh, and, yes. you know, for their children and the grandchildren, even to the seventh generation to be looked after. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
you're absolutely right. The prime purpose does of the founder of a business does yes. go through into the business he or she selects and builds and yes. relationships and what manifests for good or bad in the world. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think it's a great way to people reflect in this current time and just get an understanding of where they sit and what mountain they're on. Um, and I, I've, 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 I've done this myself, and it's very interesting just to reflect as how you shift to, because I think you, as in times in life, you change which mountain you might be sitting on. And um, One question I do have Sorry, is... And I suggest to that, I, yeah. I would want to put this absolutely bluntly. Yes. Right now, as we are uh-huh. ensconced at home, you know, away mm. from the world, this is the time that we must rework our chief mountain of purpose. Yeah, and I yeah. think it is the perfect time yeah. uh, for everybody to reflect. Yep. Definitely. Yep, yep. yep. So, one question I do have yep. is so, f- success, and success can be defined by many things. <laughs> it can be mean many things to many people, but. And what mountain you sit on. Exactly. And I think that's really good in that context. But do you think from some stepping back, do you think a great life's purpose is only is the only way really to be successful in terms of your definition of it? Do you think that purpose allows us to drive forward as a human if we're working towards something um, and rather than just accepting what life throws at us? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, look, if, if we don't care uh, which country we're heading to and we don't care which luxury cruiser we get onto yes just uh you know just climb on board and let us take us there Uh, then what happens we get the coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, that that ship luxury ship turns from being a wonderful experience into being a a death bomb um, mm. And and I think that's analogous too to life. Like you know, yes. uh, people who drift, who don't uh-huh. have a defined purpose, it's sort yes. of like they're scattered. Uh, they're they're not focused. Um, life is th- that in many ways they become a victim of what life returns them. And you know, life is difficult. Mm. Uh, mm. Says you know, life is difficult. Once you accept that, it's becomes less difficult. A lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and by having a purpose, it's like uh, we get the, the train tracks to to go down. And, of course, we keep changing them. You know, we can get on another mm. line, go in another direction. Uh, we can change from a train to a boat or to an aeroplane uh, uh, if it's not grounded at the moment. So, uh, yes. And, and like purpose, I, I'm 78 and, and yet, I'm I, I, in many ways. I believe I've been serving my apprenticeship, and right now, uh, over the last two years, I've prepared myself in multiple ways for this this uh, virus. Even though I didn't predict it would come as such, mm-hmm. uh, yes. and so I I now have this absolutely certain certainty that mm-hmm. I'm the right person at the right time to be doing the right thing, and that's a wonderful amazing feeling of confidence yeah and standing in certainty there's no better power than that exactly. and in, in uncertain times if you can stand in certainty um for you, you for you like you know yeah exactly. I, the last thing i want mm-hmm. to say is what work mm. for me would work for you or work for anybody else but i Agreed. know what works for me i know what my purpose mm-hmm. is i am very clear on that and at 78 it's a wonderful thing i'm not heading to the pearly gates 
I have a goal set to have my last orgasm at 103 and then depart. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> <laughs> so plenty to go on before, between now and then. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> 103 to 123 yeah. when I get there. So. Yeah, and just sitting here in this conversation, it's just amazing just to see, are they being the best, be the best you um, lives in this conversation from you to me. Um, but I'm curious, um, the mountain that you're currently sitting on, uh, we haven't defined what that is for you yet. Um, is it changing in the, the number seven? Changing, changing the world. world. That's changing where you see the world for the better, okay. collaboratively yep. and working with yes. MEs. That Brilliant. And I uh, yeah, appreciate just putting that out there and just so everyone's clear as where you're coming from. And um, it's sort of, I, I see the collaborative component is all about. Um, that connection as well so there's a lot of uh, connection within that there's a there's a lot of that love connection too because yeah. when we are connected we can potentially can be in a love state as well so brilliant um, that, that's that's you know you've got it like as part of that you know i'm mm -hmm. increasing my capacity to love and i'm accepting more love yes. than i've ever had before uh you know i'm i'm accelerating at a huge speed my mastery like for example mm -hmm. i've suddenly in these last two weeks become far more technologically proficient than I, <laughs> I love it than i have in my whole life you know um, uh, i do have a sense of spirit in my life not god yes. as traditionally defined but certainly spirit so uh, you know family is important to me but but the extended family not uh -huh. not just my you know biological family so yes 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 uh, no, let's let's just take a, a bit more of a, a pinpoint approach on this. Now, I'm I'm in the community. I can see opportunity. Where you, know, you have an idea, you have a concept. But we're living in interesting times. What do you recommend to anybody out there that's got this idea, got this big problem they want to solve? Where do they start if they've never been on a journey or an entrepreneurial journey before? Um, what do you believe is the starting point of any new venture? All right. Uh, number one, get absolutely clear your purpose. Why do you want to do this? What mm -hmm. value are you seeking to add to the world, to your community yes. and yourself? That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, then reach out uh, either to a very competent mentor uh, yes. or, as I've sort of been suggesting, uh, mm -hmm. reach out to nine other uh, cohorts, people in SMEs, each who have, uh, and you need to go and have a look at the business canvas for this, the Ost, Alex Osterwalder business canvas. So go through that and start s selecting people to be a cohort for you. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And if you can't find them, um, ask for help. You know, go online, go on, go to Google, go to uh, LinkedIn. Uh, yes. LinkedIn's a beautiful place to meet people and uh, collaborate. So, yes, definitely recommend LinkedIn. Good. So form your cohort and then, um, uh, and this is a bit of special pleading, I think, uh, uh -huh. go to fasttrackassets.com.au and yes. look at the two blue blocks about that $100 million, $100 million challenge. And it's not okay. a $100 million challenge. It's a $100 million high view challenge. How like do you collaboratively do two things? First of all, mm -hmm. build or protect or uh, change your current business if you have one because it's yes. now obsolete. Mm -hmm. Create a foundation business that will give you the income and the um, uh, you know stability for your family that you need. 
and you mm-hmm. do that collaboratively. Okay. Then you move on to uh, collaborative innovation as a group. So you are creating new industries, new ideas, new enterprises uh, on a net mm. equity basis. So that's what I recommend. I do recommend going the, the solo entrepreneurial route. At this time, I did that 44 times. I built 41 businesses. I lost nearly all the money with the others. <laughs> <laughs> That's the learning. The learning. What learning did you gather out of those three? What was the difference there? That money is transitory. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I, I know how to create it and make it and add value. I don't know how to hang on to it very well. <laughs> so then I would perceive that money is not your number one driver, clearly. Well, God, um, it's only a medium. medium because, yes. You know, money yes. doesn't buy happiness. It just buys a better no. class of misery, really. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> although, so it's, uh, although Ellie McPherson says, whoever says money doesn't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. Doesn't know where to shop. Um, mm. Yeah, that's a very materialistic life as well. So, um, if that's that's what's driving you, and I think if you're, you're possibly sitting on that mountain of power, wealth, and fame, then it'll make you happy. Clearly, well, I um, have to but, say I sincerely yeah. believe in the next yeah. decade, in this decade, mm-hmm. those people who are still just living a materialistic world. Yes, ninety nine percent of them will not do well, and one of them, one percent of them, will do extraordinarily, fabulously, unbelievably well beyond uh-huh. any riches anyone has ever thought of. Interesting. Why one percent? Because roughly one percent of the of the families and corporations and nations of the world are mm-hmm. combined um, already. And as I said, I don't actually know the real figure. You're saying about eighty plus percent. Yeah. Well, let's say seventy percent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But a lot. They let's say a lot. Owning, they will end up owning far more of a far bigger cake in the future. Okay. So where does that leave the rest of us? Uh, needing to collaborate, to innovate, mm. to future-proof our business, uh, mm-hmm. to change the world for the better, and changing the world for the better includes incorporating all the seven mountains not just one. Love it. Um, Neville, this has been a pleasure. Um, yes, really thank you. appreciate getting an insight into your thinking, uh, your mindset moving forward. And at 78, you are uh, you talk like a 20-year-old just starting his uh, first venture now, so it's just brilliant uh, to see. 19. The mindset. 19, sorry, I gave you one extra year. I do apologise <laughs> on that. <laughs> I was 18 for about 20 years and then I grew yeah. up a year, so. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. Well, Neville, um, really appreciate you joining us today. And um, everyone, I'll share out Neville's uh, details on LinkedIn. So Neville Christie uh, is his, um, his LinkedIn or his name and they, they find me on LinkedIn and fasttrackassets.com.au um, or is it just .com? No, no, .com.au. Yes. .com.au. Uh, you'll learn a bit about more about Neville's thinking in terms of um, where we might be headed over the next five, ten years, maybe even shorter term. Who knows? But um, yeah, really uh, enjoyed this conversation and a lot of great content to share. And uh, we'll publicise this out pretty quickly. So thank uh, you, Neville. Uh, thank you. I've enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed our dialogue. Thank you, Andrew.